What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, our host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show from Red uh, Remax Results and the Red Hot Real Estate Group. My good friend Mimi Shoneman. Hello, Mimi. Good morning. So happy to see you again. Also, coming in bright and shiny, our good friend from Nations Lending, Shelly Ferris. How's it going over there, Shelly? Good morning, all. I need you to hit one more. Let's see, which one are we on? Try that one. There we go. Uh, you're over here. Yeah. Yeah, we got you. All right. That's all right. We got I'm you. On. No problem. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to please give us your NMLS oh, number. Yes, let's carry the business. Here. Yes. So NMLS for me is 367-826 and Nations Lending 32416. And just to make it a bigger party, we got somebody on the phone line as well. Who are we talking today? Oh my gosh, you guys. We're making Red Hot Real Estate show history. Dun, 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 dun. We are. We have our very, very first underwriter. Right here, mm-hmm. a real one. It's like bringing in a, a real like the one, wizard, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. It is. You, nobody's ever met one or seen one. <laughs> we talk <laughs> about them all the, the curtain time. back. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, folks. Um, this is your opportunity. If if you have ever um, had an a question for an underwriter, if you're a loan officer, if you're a realtor, if you are a consumer that uh, has had some questions happen during your, your transaction, if perhaps you've ever been denied, now is the opportunity to get your questions answered because we have the vice president of Nations Lending, uh, Daniel Obernoff, who's on the line. He is a vice president of underwriting. Hey, Come Daniel. on now. <laughs> Welcome, Dan. Hey everyone, how you doing? Uh, you make it sound like underwriters like travel in the back shadows like Batman or something like that, you know? <laughs> well, well hey, that's man. what we heard. Yeah, that's what we heard. <laughs> and you are you were in charge of all the things. You were a great uh, uh, a great vigilante of uh, getting people into the homes of their dream. That Indeed. is what you are. So. <laughs> there you go. I like that. We have a cape for you at the end of the show. <laughs> All right. If you survive. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's just, uh, Shelly, I'm going to let you take it from here because okay. you um, are dealing with underwriters all of the time yes. as a loan officer, as, yes. as you would. Um, tell everybody a little bit about uh, Dan and what underwriters actually are. Right. So Dan, as you said, Mimi is the vice president of underwriting for Nations Lending. He is He's really a great person to work with, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, he oversees my transactions, <laughs> but because he really, really is. He, you know, you can work with a lot of underwriters, and I have over the 30-plus years that I've been in the business, but you, you right away recognize somebody who is plugged into how we can make the transaction work, and Dan is that man, and wonderful that he is the head of that department, you know, as a vice president of underwriting, because that culture, that vibe kind of filters down to everyone, and if we ever feel like it's not, then we know who to tap and say, hey, can you take a look at this for us? So we know, but Dan is the is the one that takes the transactions in when we send them over, and he distributes them across the the platform and um um and he can t- probably tell you a little bit more about what he does uh specifically but uh dan why don't you tell us what does an underwriter do so 
I think the best way to explain it is, uh, you know, the underwriter is the person who actually, uh, you know, when you go through the loan process, you, you send in your bank statements and your pay stubs and all the different documentation requested. Uh, the underwriter is the one who actually goes through those documents and actually determines whether or not you're qualified for that loan. I think, um, I think the, uh, the way I phrase it is, uh, it, it's a balance between uh, taking risk and mitigating risk for an underwriter. You know, we have guidelines that we have to follow. We have rules that we have to follow. And we're taking a look at, at uh, any borrower that comes in front of us and uh, try to make that determination based off of uh, their documentation, if they're, they're qualified for that loan. And uh, the biggest part of the qualification is, are they likely to be able to repay that loan? Right, right. And it, it all depends, too, on on how good of a job uh, the loan officer, the borrower, the the whole team put together that file to pitch to you. Okay. So let's kind of like take this down to elementary school uh, level. Okay. Um, Because I think even for a lot of realtors, we don't have visibility into what happens after we, so as a realtor, we are working with the buyer and we put the purchase agreement together. We negotiate the deal. But then we send the file to you, Shelly, the loan officer. Right. And then from that point, it kind of goes poof. Right. <laughs> In a good way, hopefully. You know what I mean? And poof, not, not poof like not magically glow. fell apart. It exploded. Yeah, no, no poof, right. It, we pass it to you and then we show up. So we would love to know from your perspective, Shelly, you know, so what you're doing from the time we pass you that purchase agreement and then when you hand it off to the underwriter like Dan. Right. Okay. So. So when you meet with a loan officer, whether that's before you start looking for a property, which is preferable, or after, <laughs> we gather the supporting documentation. So supporting documentation is how are we proving your income? How are we looking at your credit and maybe some baubles you have there? What are your asset base looking like? And how does all of that together with the collateral, the house, how does that all fit into the loan model? And so as a loan officer, I feel like I have kind of a junior underwriting Role where I put that hat on and look at the file through the eyes of an underwriter. If I feel like we've gathered up enough of the documentation, we can go directly to underwriting. So we can okay. go directly to Dan's department, bypass processing. So you're going directly from the loan officer directly to the underwriter. Now, I'm not sure that the underwriters necessarily love that model. <laughs> but what do you mean by bypass the processor? So the processor is. Um, I don't want to minimize their role because they're huge, but they're kind of the secretary of the file. Like they gather up all the stuff like they call for verifications of employment or they call for supplements to credit reports or maybe they need a new bank statement and get a new verification from the bank. And they helped put that stuff together. So if the if the if the borrower is not able to give us two months of bank statements, for example, or we're not electronically able to verify that, then the processor kind of gets involved and does their thing. Thing to get that piece in the file to be able to be reviewed for the assets. Of so the, file. the better you are, uh, so as a borrower, if I am able to, the better I am at collecting things and being on the spot about getting those done and making you your life easy. The better I am at providing things to Dan, the the more likely I am to get this done. Is what you're saying? I think so. I think is that what is how does that sound, Dan? That that's actually perfect. That, okay. That's uh, we we we're not opposed to the it's called the LO direct process. Okay. And, uh, LOs inherently know the file 
better than the processor at the onset. You know, they've worked with that borrower, they've talked with that borrower, gone through some of that borrower's documentation. So I know while Shelly Shelley may be concerned about uh, how, how we approach that kind of thing, um, underwriters are very comfortable with it because we feel like we're getting it direct from, from the source and, uh, and it really does make the files easier and, uh, and in the end makes actually a faster turn time for the borrowers from the time we start to the file to the time we actually clear to close the, borrow, the file you know, right. It's about telling that story. I mean, that's what we're doing is we're telling the story with the documentation we've gathered. So, Dan, um, how tell us a story of a, a success story that you've had recently where you've gotten a file that maybe was a little bit uh, tricky. <laughs> Well, I'm the escalation part, so pretty much every file I see on a daily basis. <laughs> Fair if enough. Easy, if they're Fair easy, enough. I never see them. That's oh. why you get paid the big bucks. That's right. If you get an email from Dan, you go, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, I think probably one of the best uh, case examples I have is a recent self-employed uh, borrower. They, uh, The borrower themselves uh, had uh, their, their tax returns, and they provided their tax returns to us. Uh, we put it through some automation models, product called Loan Beam that actually calculates the income for you. But uh, that doesn't always tell the story. Automation is great and I love it. It doesn't always tell the story. And sometimes it's very specific to that business. Uh, There's a part of the business tax returns that people file called other income that's part of the business. So from a standard underwriting perspective, other income is excluded from the calculation when we do our standard calculations. However, you have to kind of know in the guidelines, there's this opportunity out there where if you can establish that uh, the borrower's other income is consistent in nature, you can actually include that and add that back into there. So when the, when the situation popped up, it was brought to me, and right away I looked at the file and saw the guy owned a gas station. And uh, I've, kind of, I've seen these before, so I kind of knew where to go with it. Um, I, first thing I went to was that other income. In case you don't know, gas stations do get money from those lotto tickets that you buy at the gas station. Oh, hey, there's and, the other uh, income. For a fairly busy gas station, they'll get a pretty substantial amount of other income from those lottery tickets. And uh, it is consistent. You do see a pretty consistent flow of income from those lottery tickets because people are coming in every week buying lottery tickets and that kind of thing. Oh, boy, I'm going to so, start to look for that. Of, but, Dan, I would hate to interrupt yeah. you. I hate to interrupt you. We do need to go to a break, but right. then we're going to get the rest of that story when we come back. Right. So we're going to come back with that story from Dan. We're also going to go to the phone. We're going to come to a call from Victor. Victor, thanks for your patience. We're going to get to you as soon as we get back. We also have room for any of the rest of our callers to get their voice into the room as well. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can find this episode and previous episodes if you go to our website. Go to MyTalk1071.com. Keyword Red Hot. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also, my friend Shelly Ferris from Nations Lending. Also joining us today, their VP of Underwriting from Nations Lending, Daniel Obernot. Is that Obernoff? Obernoff. Thank you for joining us as well. So, Daniel, Thank you very much. You've been in the middle of sharing that story. So we want to go ahead and give Daniel a chance to wrap up that story before we go to the phones, right? Or Just the opposite. Yes. opposite. All right, okay. here we go. Victor, thank you very much for being patient through that break. Victor, you said you had a question regarding underwriting. Is that correct, Victor? Yeah. Yes, Miss Shannon and Mimi. How y'all doing today? Good, Victor. Thanks for calling. 
All right. I got a question more for Dan. Uh, we own a house in Stillwater. We went through a, uh, a refry process around three years ago. And uh, our experience was anything but easy. Uh, to give you a little bit of background, we, me and my wife both have over 800 credit scores, for sure Tier 1 Plus. We have great income. Uh, and they just kept wanting a lot of documentation, and it almost didn't end. Like first the pay subs and then the W-2s. And it got to the point where I said, look, I'm always just forget this whole process. It's getting too difficult. And they finally said, okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get you done here. But my experience was not an easy experience. I wonder what people go through that don't have great credit scores and don't have great income when they're doing a refinancing on a loan. Well, can I ask you a quick question, and then we'll jump yeah. over to Dan. Um, so besides the W-2s and the pay stubs, what were they asking for that was cumbersome? It's been about three years, but it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, that they wanted the two years of tax returns, the W-2s, pay stubs. I, I couldn't, I mean... I can't even remember at this point. It was a lot. And I get to the point where I said, let's, let's just forget this whole thing. And, and all of a sudden. And Dan, you know, what do you say to that? So, yeah, I, I've heard stories like that, too. And, you know, um, typically even underwriters, you know, we, we'd prefer it to just be, you know, hey, look, give me your uh, most recent pay stub, two W-2s, and your most recent bank statements and move on. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. There are times when, when we do have to request additional documentation. Um, and then beyond that, there's also <clears throat> uh, different lenders have different risk tolerances. Um, depending right. on what they see and what comes up, some are more willing to say, hey, I'm okay with that risk. I can write that up and explain it this way. Others may ask you for additional documentation, and and I can't say that I'm always going to be the one to write it up for you. That's not a reality. We just have to kind of make judgment call. Underwriters sit and make decisions on multiple decisions on every single file every day as to how they're going to approach it and stuff. So, you know, it shouldn't. You said it took. Did you say it took three months to get it done? <laughs> no, it was it was about three years ago. I just can't remember the. Oh. It took a while. It just it was just frustrating at the time. I don't. You know, I can't remember exactly. What I'm just going to step in um, <laughs> as, as somewhat. Yeah, because Shelly was about to say, like, have oh. you met our friend, Miss Shannon? Um, I'm just I'm just going to tell you, uh, I, I appreciate you. I'm just listening to your story, Victor, and, uh-huh. and listening to you say um, how cumbersome it was, because I'm yeah. listening like that was nothing um, because <laughs> mine as a solopreneur with a stack of 1099s. Mine was much more complicated than listen, that. Listen, and we had was, to DoorDash some Kleenex over to was, our house. I mean, <laughs> and mine, it took, it was, uh, my deal was so complicated that it started with Shelly, it ended with Phil. Like, it was, it took a team of people to, to get, get it done. done. Yeah. And literally, with, with, with our friend Phil Olson panding it, like walking it literally to my door mm-hmm. the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, I mean, I give people like all like the work that they had to do to get my done, my deal done. And, and so me as the borrower, if they say jump, I'm like, how high? Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> because if I hadn't, it wouldn't have gotten done. Right. <laughs> right. And, and that was in the midst of not only doing that, but in the midst of the pandemic and all this oh, other Kelly, stuff, because right. yeah. exactly. 
<laughs> so there was a we hey, your income too. was weird, you know, oh, kind of yeah. stuff. And I'm like, right. okay, you know, because what, it was just proof. So I'm like, oh well, and I have good credit, but yes. that's not enough. Some yes. days it didn't matter that she I had needed good a credit. thumbprint. I need um, <laughs> and a no. blood type and some other stuff. In all seriousness, Victor, <laughs> so, yeah. we appreciate you so much yes. calling and and <laughs> absolutely bringing up the subject and talking to Dan. Right. And I'm gonna say if you need to refinance or buy another house. Call Shelly. Yes. Call Shelly. Call Shelly. And call me. (laughs) I I, I, I can say that it really does have a lot to do with how much homework the loan officer does on the front end. You look at the file. You see what you need. If you'd have gotten that concise list day one, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of piecemealing it, that's when I think it starts to get frustrating. And then I think the other piece that gets frustrating is when... The loan officer or the bank or whoever you're working with doesn't explain to you why they need it. If you knew the whys, then you wouldn't feel so and so much animosity towards the questions and the constant badgering of me. And I can hear it in your voice, Victor. Like you're like, (laughs) I don't ever want to do it again. (laughs) I just thought because it was a refi, it'd be a little easier, and there's a lot of equity in the house as well. So I thought it'd be a, a lot easier process. So that's all. Maybe it's gotten easier now. I'm not sure. Well, you know, I do think it does matter who you go through. I Um, I think it very much matters the loan officer and their their communication style, um, their processes, their checklists, and and our underwriters like Mm -hmm. Dan. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it makes a very big difference. At least it does from my perspective as the realtor. Um, So anyway, we we appreciate you so much, and thank you for listening. Yes. You have a great day, y'all. Nice Thanks. talking to y'all. Thank okay. you. Um, Dan, so I have a, a quick question for you. And then if you wanted to finish your story again um, that you were talking about the car wash. Uh, so risk tolerance, you mentioned, and overlays. It brings up overlays in my mind. So with Nations Lending, if you can kind of maybe help educate our listeners about what risk tolerance you mean by that and what overlays that you may or may not have? So, um, you know, I have yet to collect a single blood sample (laughs) in the the, uh, 15 years I've been doing this. So, you know, um, that's not a thing that the nations or any other lender I've worked with. Got it. Uh, um, Risk tolerance is a, is a tough gauge to, that because uh, every borrower presents different, more so than ever. I mean, COVID is a great example. Like what chaos occurred through COVID, people were changing jobs, they were losing their jobs, they were starting their jobs, stopping their jobs. All the chaos that went through that period is a good example of, of the core fundamental of, of underwriting and um, of underwriting and uh, lending is stable and predictable income. What is stable and predictable when it comes down to what can I rely upon to pay that mortgage? And when you have breaks and job gaps and stuff like that, it's, it's tough to establish. Exactly. Um, I think that you, Ms. Shannon, you purchased during the pandemic, right at the beginning, right. kind mm-hmm. of the, the newer beginning part of it. Correct. Mm-hmm. And if there was ever an example, it's you right. with multiple streams of income and, right. and changing jobs and getting jobs and all of that. And everything was on pause. Yes. Um, and I think that at that point, 
um, in my mind, the underwriter was more important than ever, ever in the past. Right. True. Uh, because you had really a tough time gauging risk tolerance during that break. Right, right. So we're going to have more information on that. We also want to encourage you to be part of the show. You can go ahead and call in with any of your questions. We encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity. How often do we have a VP of underwriting on I the I think call? it's once in 14 years. Absolutely. <laughs> so we encourage you to be part of the show. You can call us at 651 641 1071. You're listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can get this episode and previous episodes if you go to our website, MyTalk1071.com. Use that keyword Red Hot. Here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also, our friend from Nations Lending, Shelly Ferris, is with us. Bring along her friend, their VP of Underwriting. Daniel is with us also. Bringing something new to the show. You said the first time in 14 years, right, Mimi? We got our VP of Underwriting giving us uh, lots of information. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peek behind very, the curtain. Very, very happy about it. Yes. So, folks, we want to uh, remind everybody that if you are looking for properties or if you uh, are thinking about selling your house, be sure and check out our resource at viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. And we also offer free, complimentary, no obligation market analysis for your property. All you have to do is text the word CMA to 651 651- Six five one five seven eight two two one eight. That's okay. six five one five seven eight two two one eight. Okay, Shelley, you've got a great promotion that you're offering oh, right yes, now. Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that up, Mimi. So the month of February, we've got. If you, uh, were, it's a second look. We've done this in the past, but it's our second look special. And so let let me get a have a crack at your loan. Right. I'm happy to give you a second look. Tell you what we can do, even if you've been denied somewhere. As a matter of fact, I most encourage you to to talk to me if that's the case. And um, we will give you a hundred dollar gift card if you meet uh, meet with me, a Visa gift card to uh, just sit down. Let's go through your documentation and let's make a plan for you. So it's the second look promotion. So mention that if you call or text 612-839-6918. Right. Okay, you guys, this is a great. This is $100 an hour. Okay? Right. Sit down with Shelly. She does a great job. She's a phenomenal loan officer. I know for a fact because I've worked with her for many years. Okay, so we are so privileged, you guys. If you're a realtor, if you're a loan officer, if you are also an underwriter, if you're if you're a consumer and you just wondered what the heck, <laughs> right. we've got the expert on the line with us, uh, Dan Obanoff. VP of Underwriting with Nations Lending. Okay, so, Dan, thank you so much for coming here and talking with us. We're going to let you and Shelly talk about what the process looks like. Okay, so the process. So, you know, generally uh, the borrower calls the realtor, sometimes a loan officer, but usually the borrowers want to start with the fun part, and that's looking at <laughs> homes, so they call the realtor. <laughs> and I know that's what I'd do if I didn't know about this I business. This, right? Yeah. yeah. So, But then the realtor, you know, kind of is the role of the gatekeeper. They they won't show the home without knowing if you have the ability to get a pre-approval letter because they need that in the end if you decide to write on it. So now the borrower has met with the loan officer, maybe over the phone or maybe in person or virtually. We we do that now post-pandemic, you know, Zoom and, and Teams mm-hmm. meetings and stuff. And um, FaceTime, I just did a FaceTime uh, loan application on Friday night because that was the best time for the folks. So that's what we do. We okay. do it off the clock kind of. So and then uh, we we the loan officer has collected some documentation we've pulled the loan together 
push the button on my computer desktop, it says yes, right? Okay. So now I, you, you think, oh, good, I get to have a loan. Well, now Dan gets involved. All right. <laughs> so if we have sufficient amount of documentation, the file can go directly to our underwriters, and that's where Dan's team come in. So, Dan, what happens next? So the underwriter, uh, the underwriter gets the documentation. Remember, this is all electronically these days. Um, we used to pass around actual folders. You had the FedEx folders around with the documentation. <laughs> I remember those so days. Much, much more secure environment. <laughs> if you know what a two-tab is, you're in the mortgage industry. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we get the documentation. We're going to review not only the documentation you provided, but keep in mind the lenders have all these great exterior sources uh, that we're using to review as well, uh, various tools like uh, credit reports and fraud guard and data verify, all kinds of things that help us research the file. And what we're looking for is basically, we call the old school word for it is the five C's. The five C's will end goes back, you know, probably all the way back to uh, Bailey Banks and Loan uh, uh, from It's a Wonderful Life. You know, they look <laughs> at a person based on their uh, character, yeah. their capacity, their capital, their collateral, and then the conditions of the loan. And really what that is, um, is the uh, character of the borrower, that's dictated largely by their credit profile and their past payment history. You know, have they been paying their bills? Are they responsible with their bills? Do they continue to pay their bills? If they had trouble, did they reestablish good credit? It's okay to have, an, have something happen along the way. That's not a problem. What lenders look for is, have you recovered from it? Have you reestablished good credit? Are you paying your bills now? And that's what we're going to look at on that stuff. So just because you had a bump in the past doesn't mean you won't qualify for a loan. We look at their capacity, their job, you know, how much they make, how much they've made in the past, how much they're making right now. Uh, capital, which is basically how much, how, how much you have in assets right now to put down on the house, you know, whether you're putting 3% down or 20% down can make a difference in some of the factors of the loan. Uh, we look at the house itself. Everybody knows there's kind of an appraisal for the house in some way, shape, or form. And uh, we want to see what that collateral is like that we're technically lending against because in the end, we securitize to the title of that house when we give you a loan on a new home. I have a question for you, Dan. Um, sure, you talk about the quality of the house. So, so when you're writing a purchase agreement and you get an amendment, let's just say it's something from the inspection, and in the amendment you say something to the effect, uh, we would like this A, B, C, and D things done before closing, uh, receipts to be provided, uh, lien waivers, et cetera, et cetera. When you get that laundry list of repairs to, to that the that has to that we're putting into the the legal contract, how do underwriters view that? So uh, here's one thing I'll say about that is different lenders have different risk tolerances when it comes to that. And uh, the key things we're going to look at that kind of stuff is from uh, soundness, safety, and structure kind of standpoint. If we see items in there that um, that may be of soundness, safety, structure, like, hey, we want you to, uh, we need the roof leak replaced that's causing black mold on the wall. Uh, underwriters are probably going to red flag that on an addendum. They're going to say, hey, you know, has this been resolved? Have we taken care of this? Give me the documentation to support that it's been resolved. We don't want to put our new borrower in a bad situation with a house that has problems. And, and second of all, we're we're lending out that money based on that collateral that has that roof leak and has that black mold growing down the wall. Exactly. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't. We want to make sure that the the property is sufficient. That if something goes awry and for some reason you don't make your payments, this is what I tell borrowers: is we got to make sure that if we end up getting that property back, it's saleable. It's something that we can sell on again. Is that is that true? Very yeah. accurate. Yeah. Very accurate. Even even so much so, FHA on three to four units has a uh, feasibility test that they do to ensure that that property supports itself by the rental income uh, in their in their requirements. So, perfect. Okay, so continue on. Let's continue talking about the process. And I think you've got a really good story that you wanted to talk about. So. Oh. Uh, Shelly, I think that was you. Yeah, I think it was. That was a story about Mia and John, yes. So so Mia yeah. and John, I had worked with them for a long time, and they were the a couple that got qualified in the early part of the fall, and then they kind of let the fall get away from them, and then they got geared up again to buy after the first of the year you know i don't know go to a new year's eve party and everybody's buying a house you know i want to buy a house too you know that kind of thing happens but Mia, does that happen it happens okay. it didn't like happen happy you? new year no it didn't <laughs> oh you bought a house i gotta get one yeah, too i want one too yes. i told you i wanted a house all right so anyway so mia got a new job so mia was a was a waitress and she um Worked great hours, all full time, good, easy, trackable income, all was well. Around Christmas time, she bailed on the waitress job and got a new job, and she was in customer service. And so, you know, um, if you listen to the show and you you know that people need to have two years history on their job, right? When I called them to kind of get refreshed information, she told me about the job change, and she mm-hmm. was like, you know, we have to wait two years, so we're not even we're not even looking for houses now. And I said, wait, well, now wait a minute, <laughs> who said you had to wait two years? Let's take a look at this. And so working with our underwriters and working with her documentation, once she had been there four months, we could use that income. She didn't need to be there for two years. That wasn't a requirement. So they were able to kind of look at that income as customer service like the waitressy job is oh. your your entry level job. You're kind of servicing the client, and so now you're doing it over here, only really in a more uh, reliable income. So it was kind position. of an upgrade. It was kind of an upgrade, but we didn't need the two years history. So they we were able to put them in a house, and everybody was happy. That's wonderful. Yeah, right. And so how did you how did you determine? Did you already know that it was a four month window, or did you have to check with Dan? Yep, checked in with our underwriting support. We have a, a scenario desk that we send questions to, and we can send documentation to them. Hey, how is this going to be looked at? You know, I, I've been doing this for thirty years, but I am not an underwriter. I'm on the other you know side of the fence, if you will. And so we throw our files over that fence for the <laughs> underwriter to approve. But um, I sometimes look at things with um, a little bit of rose-colored glasses. Okay. I think that's what think loan officers work, right? do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we pitch it as best as we can, and almost always it ends up working Fair out. Fair enough. So, yes. Okay, so quick question. Um, how do you handle situations where a borrower actually does not meet all of the underwriting criteria, but like this example, there are extenuating circumstances? Dan? So there, there is some extenuating circumstances, a very specific word in the lending industry, okay? So there's actually guidelines written around of here's what we constitute as an extenuating circumstance. So there's definitions to it, and it varies based on lender, whether it's conventional or FHA, so you know. So <clears throat> um, that's where, that's where you, you go revert back to those Cs, you know, 
we have we've seen borrowers before that uh, seem to not have very stable income. They jump around from job to job, yet they seem to always make their bills and they make all their payments on time and stuff like that. Overall, you want to step back sometimes and look at the bigger picture of the borrower. And a borrower has the ability to consistently make their bills can make a difference in how your underwriter approaches the deal. Okay. So, you know, other cases where extenuating circumstances may be a one-time event. And uh, I'll talk about a very uh, dramatic kind of one-time event that I saw recently is uh, we had a woman whose um, uh, husband, uh, they both worked and everything like that, and her husband passed away. She struggled for a period of time to recapture her finances and get them back under control, had some delinquencies and stuff like that. But as we discussed, she'd actually finally recaptured them, reestablished pay histories and got all of her debt back in line and uh, was able to uh, was able to buy a house because we, she was able to document the uh, extenuating circumstance that occurred with her specific to her husband showing that he was a primary wage earner in the household and stuff like that. So sometimes just understanding the story of the borrower, that's where a good LO like Shelly will take and dig in and say, tell me more about this. Tell me more about what happened. Right. How did you have, what caused these deliveries? Right. Tell the story. Yeah. That's a wonderful story, and it's so good that you were able to continue to work with her as she was rebuilding because a lot of people would say, you know what, you weren't, you know, we would just wash her away and go, hey, you know, sorry that that happened to you, but no, we don't want to hear your story. I think that's awesome that this is a human element. I mean, if this had just been a machine, that would have not probably gotten approved, but they take it up to a human that puts eyes, real human eyes on the situation, and you're able to kind of work it through um, with a human element. Um, so I think that's important for people to know is that this isn't just some machine making decisions and having reasons. I mean, your business, risk tolerance, all of that stuff. And, and the fact that there's a human factor to it is very, very important. Um, so, folks, we're going to come back from the break. We have a wonderful guest in studio. Please give us your calls with any questions that you have for our underwriter. Right. That number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can get this episode and previous episodes if you go to our website. Always go to MyTalk1071.com. Use that keyword Red Hot. We have great information and uh, we sound really good in your earbuds. There I just you always go. want to remind everybody that. <laughs> and we almost got through a whole show without talking about football. What? Taylor Swift. There you go. That's all it's about. All right. Well, you're going to watch the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know if you didn't. Because sometimes. Lord have mercy. You act like. <laughs> Indeed. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, I'm going to oh, watch gosh, it. Yeah. I'm going to have wings. wings. <laughs> yes. yes. I right. like the way that you got swings. into like you harmony. Yes. You got into <laughs> harmony to talk about the wings. Uh-huh. Daniel, okay. Daniel, are you, are, you, are you Super Bowling today? Uh, I'll watch the Super Bowl. I will. You seemed a little trepidatious well, about it. Like maybe you weren't going to like you were like maybe it was under duress. Uh, might be out <laughs> like were you really going to like would you like because I mean sometimes I know some people are so committed to their career. Like are you really going to be running He's numbers? Underwriting were today. you underwriting yeah, today right, and we're taking it. away from your true love <laughs> by no. making you watch the Super Bowl? So or the big I have, game. Uh, I have uh, seven kids and four grandkids, and over the years, my, most of my children are grown now. Okay. But uh, over the years of all the basketball, football, baseball, soccer, all the stuff I did with my children, 
I kind of lost touch with professional sports. And honestly, it saved me a lot of heartache, not that game. Yeah, you call a spade a spade. You're like, we sport ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. I do not have a horse in this particular big game. It's really just more about the pageantry and the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. And event. the commercials and the just see, yes. like, yes. that's all right. Yeah, so nice. I'm right. going to go hang out with a fella, go watch some things, and then like the like my two friends here in the room said, go have some some food hang out yes, yes. do not care yeah. who mm-hmm. wins do not do well, not care and a, not and i'm not putting any money on it not adding no. to the billions of dollars that will be bet on this game don't care oh, golly. <laughs> don't You're care. not gonna participate in the doordash deal no oh man you gotta get the qr code for that no get a little promotion for doordash no. i don't know that one yeah okay look it up yeah. <laughs> don't I'm miss go. it there are a number of townie sports bar in my community i'm gonna go eat somebody else's food okay. and not <laughs> and not clean up <laughs> and not clean up exactly no. well folks we are a real estate show right That's here right. My yes talk. and we do not have sports. a little bit of time left in today's show so if you want to be part of the show you do have time still to call us at Six five one six four one one zero seven one. Before we get back into talking to Dan and talking about underwriting, though, Shelly, please tell everybody about your second. Um, what are we calling it? Oh, second, second look. look. Yes, second, second look. look promotion. So yes, give me a shout. Uh, cell phone text. We're, we're going to meet in person. This is what the promotion is. We meet in person. And the second look is maybe you've met with another lender. Maybe you didn't like what you were told, or maybe you did. Or maybe you were denied, and you need to meet with me, and let's see what we can massage in. What was your problem? What can we solve for you? And uh, if you do that, and we sit down together face-to-face, a $100 gift card, a Visa gift card to you, please mention a second look, and uh, that's the promotion for February. Absolutely. And she's got candy on her desk. I've seen it. <laughs> okay. Do you have good candy, though? Is it, like, stale now? Because I don't know. I it's, know Valentine's it's, it's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day candy. Anyway, well, our friend Dan Obanoff with the VP of Underwriting with Nations Lending has been our esteemed guest. And it's not too late to get your questions in. But until we get more callers, which we th- looks I like we're somebody having somebody, mm-hmm. um, Dan, you've got some really great stories. I'll let you just jump into one of your favorites. So... Um, I think, uh, I think probably one of the, uh, one of the favorite things, underwriters pride themselves on actually trying to get the deal done. The misnomer is that we actually are looking to decline the loan. That's not true at all. Underwriters all take a lot of pride in actually figuring out how to make it work, how to make it fit into the guidelines kind of thing. It's a, it's a sense of pride. And, uh, one of my favorite stories from, from, uh, last spring was, uh, um, kind of a union guy. I don't know if you know, like the 40th parallel, if you draw an east-west line uh, across the United States, that's roughly the 40th parallel. I don't know if you know, north of that, they have winter like Minnesota, south of that, like <laughs> me in Texas, they don't. Right. So union guys, inevitably in the wintertime and in, in the north of the 40th parallel, just aren't able to work as much, particularly like, say, paving industry, concrete industry, gravel, stuff like that. And uh, um, sometimes you got to step back and take a bigger bigger picture look at their income. And what happened in the spring was we got some pay stubs from a borrower and the pay stubs were very weak, but it was like March or April, I can't remember specifically. And uh, people started talking about like, hey, these pay stubs aren't supporting the income. He's not making the same kind of income he did in previous years. And you gotta look specifically at the employment that the person does and start to ask questions about that employment. Uh, This gentleman happened to be uh, a concrete truck driver. And uh, his organization basically didn't work pretty much from no end of November to 
pretty much March 1st, there was not an opportunity to pour. So uh, we had to step back and look at that and uh, had some conversations and got some explanations behind it. And we were able to figure out that, hey, look, he was just starting back up for the year. That's why those pay stubs looked so weak. We were able to step back and take a better look at his income from a past perspective and say, hey, here's why we think his income is stable and predictable. Here's his previous two years, what he made. And the BOE from his employer supported the concept that he was going to be able to continue to make that much. And, Daniel, we do want to go to the phone to get one more caller in before we wrap for today. Lisa, thank you very much for calling. Everybody else, if you want to leave your information with our producer, we're going to make sure that Mimi and Shelly have a chance to get back to you. But, Lisa, what's your question for Daniel and our team today? Hey, Lisa, thanks for calling. Yes, it's Linda. Oh, Linda, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yes, go ahead. What's your question for Dan? That's that's okay. When it comes to, this is kind of off the wall, I guess, for the conversation, and I just joined, so I apologize. To get the best financial income off your property, um, our house was built in 77, and we're currently doing some remodeling. And I'm just wondering, how far do we go with it? Really, the only thing left we have is carpet to put in, in um, the, the main living room and the upstairs. The carpet's not bad. It needs to be stretched and cleaned. For To make the most money for our property, do you think we should replace the carpeting? And, Linda, I'm going to pause you there so we have time to at least give you part of an answer. We'll make sure we follow up you for the full answer in a moment. So you know, go ahead. Linda, real sure. quick, because mm-hmm. we're coming into our end of the show, we would have to really talk to you about your specific property. But in general? And in general, I think always paint and carpet are oftentimes good ideas yes so we do have a just a minute if we want to give about just wrap up and give all of your contact information for everybody go ahead and start with you mimi yep folks we really appreciate all of our listeners you can shop for property uh, you can look at other people's property at view greater minneapolis homes.com and often we offer a free cma at 651-578-2218 And 612-839-6918. I also want to remind you, you can get this episode and previous episodes, as always, if you go to our show page at mytalk1071.com. Use that keyword, Red Hot. Thank you, Daniel.